Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. You open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And last time, in chapter 3, we went over how to become a more mature Christian and what that looks like. We looked at the word cardinal and what that means and if a Christian can be cardinal. And we went over that they can be. doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Um, the important thing is to understand that we as Christians shouldn't be cardinal forever. We have to repent and we need to ask for prayer and get back on track. But there is a time that if we're going through things that we may appear to be carnal, but the important thing is is through our faith we do not remain cardinal. In James chapter 2 it says that genuine faith will always result in good works. And in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that he would walk in them. So again, in a time of trial and tribulation and rebellion, you may seem to be cardinal, but a true Christian will not remain cardinal. Once that relationship starts and the Lord works in you, changes you little by little, you won't even remain cardinal. Not sure if anybody remembers. There was a skit up here with the youth about the Lord chiseling away the imperfect things and molding you, us, into his perfect work. That's what he's planned that's what he does. You won't actually be perfect. I know all of you don't think you'll be perfect, but um, as a wise man once said, I don't know if he actually created the phrase, but he uses it a lot. Pastor Vinny says, you will not be sinless, but you hope to sin less. And that should be our prayer. So, starting in Verse 1 on chapter 4, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So Paul here is asking that he and the other apostles be considered servants of Christ and also stewards of the mysteries of God. 
course, we look at the word stewards and see that it means an administrator or a representative. A steward also is considered to be a master and manager of the home. As it relates to these verses, they manage the mysteries of God, so they were protecting and sharing the truth of God. And there are four, I found four principles of stewardship that may help you understand it a little bit better. Number one is the principle of ownership. In Psalm 24, it starts with, The earth is the Lord's, and all it, the, the world's fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. In the beginning of Genesis, God creates everything and puts Adam in the garden to work in it and take care of it. It is clear here that man was created to work, and that work is the stewardship of all the creation that God has given him. God, God owns everything. We are simply managers and the administrators acting on his behalf. Therefore, stewardship expresses our obedience and handling everything that God has placed under our control. Stewardship recognizes that we do not have control over our property or ourselves. Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord our God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So that was the principle of ownership. Next principle is the principle of responsibility. We are called as God's stewards to manage which belongs to him. And when we are called to something by God, it's our responsibility to, to do that and to follow what he's called you to do. While God has trusted us to, with the care and development of everything that he owns, as his stewards, we are responsible to manage his creations according to his purpose. And when we do that, we follow his calling for us. He will reward you for being a good servant, which we hope to hear. So in the next principle is the one of accountability. A steward is one who manages the possessions of another we are all stewards of the resources, the abilities, and opportunities that God has entrusted to our care. And one day, every one of us will be called to give an account for how they manage what God has given us. God has entrusted authority over the creation to us. We are all called to use that authority under his watchful eye. 
managing his creation with the principles that he has established. We will all be called to give an account and including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. And we will give an account of that. And, do, and when we are going through those things, accountability is an important thing to have. Accountability is very important to keep yourselves on the right path and focused on the Lord. And I mentioned reward at the, at the beginning. The last principle is the principle of reward. When a steward is faithful, and we are faithful in doing the Lord's work and following what he has called us to be, we will be rewarded. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance, for you, for you serve the Lord Christ. So if we are faithful stewards who do God's will and God's calling for us, we will get a reward. And that reward is the eternal life with, with Jesus. We, sh- we should long await the time when God says this in Matthew twenty-five twenty-one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in into the joy of your Lord. That's something that everybody should thrive to do or thrive to hear. Everything that we go through, everything that we work for as believers. is to hear those words at the end. So that was just a few things I found on stewardship. I found it important to go over those so you you know what being a steward is all about. In verse 3 and 4, it says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not ju- justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. So in the first couple of verses... Paul tells us what he is. He is a servant. He's a steward. He's a follower of Christ. In these next couple of verses, he tells you what he's not. He says to the Corinthians, I'm not worried about what you think of me. I'm not your servant. I'm not your steward. I'm God's servant, and I'm God's steward. And it says right here, 
is a very small thing that I should be judged by you is what God thinks is what God thinks is that, that's important. He doesn't even judge himself. We are almost always too harsh, too easy on ourselves. Paul knows this and will not give judgment even upon himself. In the end, he who judges me is the Lord. In verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So when Jesus judges, it will be according to the motives of the heart. Not only in the outward actions. This is another reason why humans shouldn't judge one another. Each one's praises come from God, it says. Paul knew he had little praise from the Corinthian Christians. But he did not, it did not concern him. He knew that the day will be coming when our praises will come from God, not from man. And that was very important to him, and that should be very important to us as believers. As long as you are on the right path, and you are walking with God, and if anybody talks down to you, I mean, you, you could defend the Lord. That's what he would like. But in the end, no one should really judge you because the only one who judges you at the end is the Lord. Verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself as Apollos, for beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So it does not mean that in a literal way, but so the Corinthian Christians would learn a more proper way to see the apostles. Paul hopes by writing this it would help the Corinthian Christians learn to keep their thinking actions more biblical and not to use the standards beyond the word of God to judge him or the other apostles. They could easily be taking sides against one another based on bad standards. This is why they got puffed up. It was usually the cause, well, what's usually the cause of being puffed up? Pride. Paul addresses their proud hearts with these three questions in verse 7. For who makes you differ 
from another. And what do you have that you do not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? First question, who makes you diff- who makes you to differ from another? There's a difference between us. It is because of what God has done in us. If you're walking with the Lord, there is going to be a difference between you and what you see out in the world. Second question that was here was, and what do you, and what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that we have comes from God. So if you think about it, there's no real reason that we should have any pride whatsoever. Because everything that we have, everything that we were blessed with, comes from the Lord. He uses our gifts to help get those things, but even the gifts are from God, so we need to remember that. And then why do you glory as if you had not received it? If what you have spiritually is a gift from God, why do you glory in it as if it was your own accomplishment? There is no reason for self-glorifying pride. Now that we see these questions, now it makes us look at ourselves. Do I truly give God the credit for my salvation? Do I live with a spirit of humble gratitude. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I take the credit. I know a lot of the times I feel like I'm the best chef ever. But, uh, I have to realize he gave me those gifts. So, I may be the best chef ever, but it's because of him. He, he, I use those gifts he's given me to, uh, to bless people that I work for. And uh, so I have to remember to give him the gratitude for that. You can't let the pride stand in the way of giving God the glory. He truly is the one who who needs to get the glory. Continuing in verse 8, it says, You are already full. You are already rich. You have signed as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign that we also might reign with you. Paul sort of says Paul sort of says this uh jokingly. He's like, "Oh, your lives are full. You're rich. You reigned without us. 
And he says, oh, I wish you could reign. And we could reign with you. With all these things that are that you're doing and their pride and being puffed up and their worldly actions their lives are really not full at all and they are not rich in the spiritual way that they need to be they had a lot of things they needed to work on before they could truly say that they're full and and rich. So now 9, it continues and says, For I think that God has displayed, displayed us, the apostles last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are we are fools of Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Paul again it sort of sarcastically shows how foolish it is for Christians to think that they are more spiritual and blessed than the apostles were. Again, it's the foolish pride that they had in this situation. It's just funny to me how they, it was just so hard for them to realize what was going on at this time. It's hard for me to realize that something so obvious they couldn't get. Pride could do that. Pride could do that to you. It could really lead you down the wrong road. That, that's something we all, including myself, have to really, really pray about. Eleven. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. And we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands, being reviled. We blessed, being persecuted. We endure, being defamed. We entreat. We have been made as a filth of the world. of us couraging of all things until now. It was all, it would, Corinthians Corinthians embraced the idea that manual labor was fit only for the slaves. But it would offend them that one of the apostles of God would actually work with his hands. This is what we have to do as disciples or followers of God. We have to work with our hands. We have to keep things clean. We need to take pride in the church that he has given us. 
I think I think it's important to to make sure that when people come in here that it, it looks good and they they get the full feeding of what's being preached up here. Continuing on, 14, it says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Jesus, sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remain, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul here wants them to know his purpose isn't to make them feel ashamed, but to warn them of the significant danger in the spiritual pride that they have. And he urges them to imitate me. The first reaction of many was imitate you. They weren't going to imitate Paul. As far as they're concerned, he was weak and a fool, poorly clothed, homeless and beaten. But Paul wants them to imitate him, not of those things, but because of how the glory of Jesus shines through him despite all those things. As for me... We all, can, we all can do this. Ask yourself, how do I allow the Lord to shine through me as I go through hardships? I think, a, I believe a big thing to do is to allow people to see Christ through you while you're going through tough times. They, they look at you and they, then they ask questions. Why are you like that? Why are you so positive? And then that's the door you have to open to start sharing the gospel. And that's what the Lord ultimately wants. He wants us to go out and share his word and make disciples. So that's what we need to do through our lifetime as we follow him just allow the Lord to shine through you continuing in 18 and some now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. 
for the kingdom of God is not in the word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with your rod or in love and the spirit of gentleness? So there are, so there are arrogant ways made them think Paul was afraid to visit them. So that made them puff up even more in their hearts. Then Paul leaves the decision up to the Corinthians. Do they, do they want the harsh Paul with the rod of correction or the gentle Paul? I believe Paul would like to be the gentle Paul, but he leaves his decision up to them. So we saw Paul face some real hurdles, as we all do in our day-to-day life. And it's hard to make the change in our hearts like it is for all of us. But we have to continue to follow him and focus on his word. But with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, I know we can accomplish it. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.